if you don't know Scott, you will have a wonderful opportunity to get to spend two weeks with Scott if you would like to, and you would like to, trust me. Um, next April, April 2015, we are tentatively planned to go to Israel, which this is totally like a dream of mine. Um, I'm just going to, by in order to introduce Scott, I want to more talk about Israel because that's what he's here to kind of share about. Uh, I first went to Israel with Ray Vanderlaan. I know y'all probably heard me teach from this a lot, but I went with Ray when I was 16 or 17. And um, I would say that everything that I can trace about the growth in my life from a heavenly perspective towards life and hope and joy and fullness in Christ, I feel like I can trace back to that trip. Um, it was a huge shift for me. I mean, I'd grown up here. I'd grown up at a Christian school, you know, exposed to a lot of Bible, and that was such a gift. But a lot of that Bible was just out of context just because we don't live in Israel and we aren't Jews. And so to be able to go to the land and be able to learn from um, the place, the people, the history that goes back so much further than our um, lovely American history on the soil is amazing. I mean, it's just, there's nothing like it. And not to make you feel bad if you can't go or haven't been, but you, you can't replace it. We can come back and share it. But in this context, I'm going to push you. If you have a desire to go, plan on it. And I know for moms, that can be a little scary. I, I remember feeling, I, I've been to Israel probably three or four times total, but twice since then. And once when I had kids with Scott, my husband and I went last year, and I remember saying, the only reason I would leave my kids for this long is to go to Israel. That's it. Now I'm, I'm a little bit more open, but, um, but not much. It's about the only other reason I would go for that long. Um, and the Lord think I have great provision and grandparents, but just ask him if you have a desire to go, ask him about it, ask him to provide for you. And we've tried to schedule it during the school year so that at least if dads are staying with kids, they have school to help them out with that. So um, there's one thing I want to, a little story I want to share, and then I'll get Scott up here. The first day that I was in Israel with Ray, um, we get off the airplane and we get on a bus and it's like, at dusk. So I'm thinking we're going to the hotel. You know, we've been on on this long overseas flight and he takes us to this cliff and it's overlooking water. No idea where we were. First we stopped and there's this big field. We hiked through the field even though we like hiked around, got away from the bus and hiked back over to the cliff. Um, and we sit down on the cliff and he does a lesson that is actually covered a lot more, but the one thing that he said that echoes in my ears to this day is he asked us, um, what's the number one thing that Jesus taught about, and specifically in the time between his resurrection and his ascension. So he dies, comes back to life by the power of God, everything's changed, he spends 40 days talking to the disciples, and it's, what is he teaching on? And I had no idea, no idea. And then he said, it's, and nobody knew, nobody, or at least if they knew, they didn't say it. He said, it's the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And I remember just thinking, what in the world is the kingdom? I have no idea what that means. And I did have this moment of like kind of freaking out in my heart of like, I should know this. I should know what kingdom means. And now I, I'm happy to say, I feel like that is the huge trajectory of my life. What is the kingdom of heaven on earth? I mean, it's, it's all I teach about. At the end of the day, it's the thing I think about. It's, it's the place we live because we are sons and daughters. It's our realm. It's our life to release heaven on earth, the kingdom of God at hand, not one day coming. I mean, I could go on. Y'all have heard this, but, and it's a huge mark on this church because of this venturing out and learning from the place and the people of God. So it's changed my life. I really would love for you to come. I'm going to go. I'm really excited. And Scott will lead us. Um, and here's Scott. Uh, good morning. Fun to be here. Fun to see a lot of familiar faces and to meet some new ones. 
uh, to be with Little Prophets. Hello, Little Prophet. Um, thanks, Mike, for being here. So if we can, you know, might have to get the three of us out of here quick. Uh, that's all right. I feel a little out. I was going to say outman, but that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, no, it's a privilege to be here. Uh, one of the things that's been fun is to um, hear about what you guys do. Um, and that's one of the things that actually we talk about at Riverside is some of the movement that's happening amongst the women here at Alamo Heights. And, of course, you'll know if you get to go on the retreat, uh, some of the cross-pollination that seems to be happening between our two communities is actually a real blessing to us. Uh, we hope it's a blessing to you as well. But I just always want to make sure to say that as we kind of continue to become a family of churches, understanding what it means to serve uh, a larger regional parish as well as our individual homes, um, it becomes fascinating to think about how able we are in a local way and then how capable we become in a global way uh, when we start to think more like families and less like silos. Does that make sense? Uh, and so it's, a, it's an incredible opportunity to be here with you today. I'm excited to talk to you about something that is a little overwhelming to me. I'm probably, I have way too much information for you. So I'm going to be very limited in my initial sharing, and I'm going to ask you to begin to think about questions that you might have uh, about Israel today, ancient, biblical, anything like that that's just on your mind. So begin to kind of germinate some of those, and I'll see if I can make sure to get to as many as I can. It's one of the things I spend a lot of time on is paying attention because we have family, deep family friends that live there now, and so we pay close attention to about everything that's going on. But let's begin with just a quick prayer, if that's okay. So, um, Father in heaven, great counselor, um, just creator of all things. It is amazing to think that you move in every little minute thing we do and that the kingdom comes in some of the things that we might think are the most frustrating, ongoing, and overwhelming in our life. Father, would you show these women exactly where you're moving in what they consider to be mundane? Would you allow them to see how you see them and where you may be drawing them in their lives? That that deep longing and hope that they have for things that are greater and their wildest imagination of what that might be is a small version of your dream for who they are. Would you fill them with your spirit? Would you go before them in strength? Would you untie the knots in the hearts and in their lives so that they might know increasing joy? In Jesus' name, amen. So more than a decade ago, I was, uh, we were doing the new heights thing. We'd just gotten started, and uh, we were down the hall here. And uh, somebody came and said, hey, there's this guy named Ray Vanderland that's coming to speak. And I said, Ray Vander who? Like, I don't have any idea who that is, and I really don't care, but I know that we're starting a new community down here, and I'm gritting in, which means when they invited me, maybe y'all should shut down for the Sunday and come down and listen to Ray Vander whatever. I was like, absolutely not. We will. I will preach in the same building as whoever that guy is. Uh, and so basically, you know, my mom showed up. Uh, it was like, I think, I'm serious, it was like 20 people actually arrived, and it was all the people that were like, I can't believe we're here, or they had gone to the, you know, I don't know, they heard him somewhere else, um, and so they like showed up to be nice to me, is all it was, which is kind of nice to know I could pull 20 people from Ray uh, at this point, you know, like that's, I feel good about that, but um, I, I, it, it aggravated me, like I was a little bit embarrassed, uh, I was uh, uncomfortable, I was like, who in, who in the heck is that guy, um, and um, and so, you know, I started finding out, I started wondering, and then as happens sometimes to pastors, leaders, friends, and maybe even you over this next year, is I said these words in a hallway sometime to groups that I don't even know who they were. I said, I mean, you know what, I've, I've been to seminary, I've been a Christian all my life, I've done all this kind of stuff, I'm a pastor, I'm here, I've lived in England, I've never once thought about going to Israel, but man, who gets to go on amazing trips like that? That would be great. Day later, somebody says to me, are you serious? I'm like, what, going to Israel? Yes. Well, sure, you know, like whatever, but I could never go. About a week later, I was having a meal with someone that said, you're going, here's your roommate. You should have lunch. I'll buy. And he sent me to lunch with a guy named Michael Brown, who is a pastor here in town, who I got to see at the Spurs game just the other day. 
uh, and um, we became good friends. And I'll, what I'll tell you about my time in Israel very similarly, well, first off, uh, the people that I always love, I get to tell this story so often with these people in the room, uh, and they're in the room today, and so it's a blessing. I know that that's not important for them, uh, for me to make a big deal out of it, but they're here, their family's here, and so it's still a privilege to talk about. But I got to um, then go to Israel, and I'll give you a quick burst of my experience. I'm on top of a mountain following Ray Vanderland, knowing that he is a crazy person at this point because we've gotten off the bus. And just like Casey said, we're avoiding the bus, avoiding streets. I'm sweating. I thought I'd gone and worked out to get ready. I had not. I thought, oh, God is helping me because I'm working out at the JCC. Is that I don't know, but like, well, it's Jewish, so that must be better, you know. And like, there's a there's a a guy with curls and a and like a scroll working out on the treadmill in front of me. So I'm doing well. Like I'm following the rabbi as I work out, but I had not worked out very well. I get to the top of this um, of this mountain, um, and my commitment, stupid, uh, was I'm going to record every word this man says, not at every teaching, but on every trail. I'm going to be at arm's length from Ray Vanderland because I got invested in here, and I'm going to listen to every stinking thing. So I went through three rounds of blisters. I was in brutal shape. I just did not prepare. Um, I remember going up this mountain thinking I'm so out of breath that what I want to do is make sure to lean toward the mountain because if I lean away from the mountain, I may go down the mountain and beat everybody to the bus. I get to the top of the mountain, and he stops short. This happens to us a lot. He has good breaks. I have bad breaks, so I run into him, which is a regular experience for him. We collide. He turns around. He looks up at me and does stuff. And sometimes we argue. Sometimes he blows my mind. And more often than not, he's blowing my mind. So he turns around on this trip. I'm trying to figure out, why the heck are you all the way in Israel? Why the heck did you say yes? Why the heck are you so uncomfortable? Why the, ah, you know, I'm just like in that. But I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Y'all are all moms. You're, you're quietly like... You're quietly and patiently and beautifully standing there, but you're freaking out in your mind, right? And by the way, I'm a little closer to that right now because my wife and son just came back from two weeks in Hungary. So for the last two weeks, I have been a primary parent uh, with my other three children. And so I can tell you that your husbands can do it. Uh, and we can do it beautifully. We, we actually got a lot of help. And, um, and what I mean by that is the kids survived. Uh, so I feel good about that. I did. Um, um, a little bit more rule in our house right now, which the kids at one point, if your four-year-old cries, I wish mommy was here one more time, and you're like, I don't care. Uh, that's when I realized I was more having the mom moment. Like when they're screaming for everybody else, and you're like, I don't care, eat your Cheerios. Like I have no, eat your Cheerios. Anyway, so um, I respect you all in a whole different way, but I also just to encourage you, your husbands can do this, and it's really good for them because my relationship with my kid changed in a really good way, all of them. Uh, while um, they were gone, and um, so much so that Kathy was a little upset by it, but it was good that we had a little injury, as happens with all the boys, uh, and I was the one that got run to uh, in tears. So Kathy was like, <gasps> like, that's my job, and then she was like, oh, but that's good, you know, so she's working it out, but, um, you know, it was, it was a good thing for me. Anyway, just to be encouraging about that. So I get to the top of this mountain. I'm leaning into the mountain, not away from it, right behind Ray. He stops. I don't see it. Boom, collide right into him. I look at him, and he looks at me right in the eye, and he goes, have you ever prayed as hard as you just hiked? And I'm like, just tears, tears, tears. No. And all I can think of is, I've never prayed for my wife like that. I've never prayed for my kids like that. I've never prayed for the church like that. I've never prayed for myself like that. I've never had to. Never felt like it did. Changed me. Got to the top of the mountain. I'm still crying. He turns around. And he, if you know anything about Ray, he comes across on the videos as this nice, warm guy. Um, and, and he is if you're about 16 or 17 years old. Um, but if you're not, you know, there's, there, you should know better kind of thing. And so uh, he says to me at one point, you know, I would say, oh, why are you crying? You know, he says, why are you crying? That's all. And I was like, well, because, and I blurted out in anger. And I was furious at this point. I had gone from sweet prayer time to anger. And I said to him, uh, I'm furious that I have learned more about the Bible in the last five days, right, than all three years of my seminary. And I have a $40,000 debt to go home to. And I'm enraged that nobody ever in any Sunday school class or Sunday morning or song or anything told me any of this. Like this, 
This takes everything from black and white to color. Why didn't anybody say anything? And that was really where I was. So my trip to Israel, very much like Casey's, was really transformative, beautifully, uh, and, and in amazing ways. So I brought some fun things to share with you, just so that you can play while we talk. Um, uh, there's a place called Caesarea where Paul left on almost all, if not all, of his missionary tours there. There's a palace. Um, you probably heard people talk about it. Uh, Herod built it. It was for Caesar. This is a piece of it that now washes up on the shore. I like to have this almost all the time. Um, pulled it right out of the ocean myself um, because uh, it reminds me that while Jesus was a small child born probably in a cave in the shadow of this king, it's this kingdom that washes up on the shore and that little baby's kingdom that is beginning to scope across the face of the earth. And interestingly enough, in our lifetimes, is going to have the opportunity uh, to be heard by every human being on earth. Did you know that's about to be possible? Did you know that? I just think that's crazy. Uh, they're actually doing all the work to ensure that every single person in the entire earth has the opportunity to hear the gospel through technology, missionaries, travel, and understanding every corner of the earth. It's going to be in our lifetime that that happens. Something to think about, okay? Another thing, this is fun. This is an oil lamp. It's a Roman, uh, well, first century oil lamp. Uh, that has got all those museum numbers and all those other kinds of things. When you think about an oil lamp, uh, this is what they look like. Uh, this is an oil lamp that could have, or not, no. Uh, it was in Jesus' house, no. It was, you know, there's a, there's a load of these, an era, right? Uh, but what's beautiful about this is this is really an oil lamp. And one of the things that I love about going to Israel is that you get to handle, textually experience Scripture and the time of Scripture. Uh, and so one of the fun things is I like to take these to kids' groups, too. This is an oil carrier. It goes with an oil lamp. So now if you've ever... Here, just hold it up if you don't mind. Just hold it a little bit. Very good. Um, the, if, you, um, if you ever... The story of the ten virgins and the, olive, and the oil, you're like, well, why didn't those girls share? You know, it's like mean girls of the Bible. But it's not. It's, it's, it's like this is how much oil you would have, and it would, it would fill one oil lamp. That's how this works. So sharing a tiny bit, it only fits for one lamp. It's kind of fun about that as I think about these. And you can see the, uh, these are ancient, and they come from uh, all kinds of things. Um, my daughter wanted me to bring you this because it's her favorite. It's a Byzantine uh, handle. She found a bunch of these uh, while we were there. Um, so you can just look at them, feel them, kind of touch them, all that kind of good stuff. So this morning what I want to just talk to you about is um, Israel as a whole, and why in the world do we need to know anything about Jesus' Jewishness? In a really simple way, two little scriptural nuggets, uh, and then a little bit about our time, our trip, the invitation, and then I'm going to open it up to whatever questions you have about that trip, these things, the issue of why is this church and many other churches interested at all in what my very funny friend who came to faith in the tent outside of the, behind the uh, coffee shop at Riverside, who's brilliant, um, but had zero experience of faith. She goes, why are you all, you're not Jewish, but you're kind of Jew-ish, you know? And I thought, well, that's, that's really funny. Like, I like that. I'm Jew-ish, you know? And so, like, why do you do that? Why? I don't get it. And so some conversations about that uh, as well. And I'll tell it to you this way. Uh, a lot of people will say that. Why are you so weird? Why do you do the Shema? Why are you interested in the Hebraic? Why do you talk about this so incessantly? Why, why do you seem to approach the Bible this way or that way? Okay, okay. Here's the simplest version. The simplest version would be to say, okay, if you were to get to know me um, and, and watch me in my life, my way that I treat my wife, hopefully, uh, the way that I raise my kids, uh, what I do in an everyday way, what I prioritize, what I sacrifice for, if you looked at our um, bank statement, okay, a lot of these things, you could look at all of that information and you would be really, really confused as to why we do what we do completely. I don't even understand these people unless you knew one thing. And if you knew this one thing, all of those things would fall into place and you would go, ah, oh, well, of course. That's why they spend this way. That's why their giving looks like this. That's why he spends all his time in these places. That's why they treat their kids this way. That's why they, they lived in Israel as a family for, you know, three and a half months. You know, and, and when everybody's terrified of that. That's why they made all these decisions. And that thing you would need to know is that we are disciples. We seek to be disciples of Jesus Christ, my wife and I, okay? 
So basically it's this. If you don't know Jesus or know about Jesus, you wouldn't have any way of understanding me. You can't know me without knowing Jesus. You can't. It just won't make sense. I don't mean to be rude about it, but you just wouldn't understand who I am, what I do, or my life. Does that make sense? Okay. And yet we think we can know Jesus without knowing his faith. We think we can know the one that we've committed our life to without knowing his beliefs and why he does what he does, why he says what he says, why he teaches the way he does, who he's talking to and why and what it means. We have over time become separated from a root that God intended us to have that grafts us into his complete promise. And when I discovered that, that's when I got mad. Because I realized that I had been living in two stories of a countless, countless storied building. I, I've not even gotten close to discovering how far, how wide, how deep this thing is. Every time I think I do, it's amazing. Okay? So that's just an introduction about why we should engage this at all. In other words, if Jesus did, we should. To understand him, these are things we need to know. One way or the other. And Israel, the land, I'll tell you, a lot of people will call it the fifth gospel. Because when you walk it, you just walk right into it. And it's, it's pretty astonishing all the way around. So... Um, this is what, uh, these are two things that I think are golden. Some of you already know these things, but these are two of my very favorite things. Two things that really were shaping to me uh, when I was getting to, oh, this is completely empty. Um, that, um, <coughs> and one of them is, uh, <coughs> that just reminds me of a really funny story. I have a lot of squirrels. I chase squirrels like crazy, if you've seen Up. Um, and um, just reminded me of a, um, an Anglican church uh, that they did the offering. And the, the priest handed out the offering. The offering plates go out, and the offering plates come back. There's absolutely nothing in the offering plates. So he turns around, and he lifts up the plates, and he says, Dear God, thank you for the safe return of these plates, and puts them down. <laughs> it's like, oh, that was... Anyway, uh, I don't know why I said that. Uh, but Anyway, I've, thought, I've always wondered about that. Um, so uh, while we were... Uh, so the thing is then, like, here are two little elements that really triggered my fascination and made me begin to think about so much uh, of what happens uh, in the Bible. Uh, one of them was uh, to begin to learn of an idea called remez. So say remez. Say remez. Thank you very much. Okay, just like it, it, you have to, like when you learn this way, there's a, it's a physical thing. You have to engage yourself, you know. And one of the things, if you are able to go to Israel, and I pray that you all can, that um, it gets um, it goes back and forth, hopefully, as soon as we can. A lot of strong community, but a whole lot of strong conversation and sharing as well. Um, and so Ramez becomes a thing. And Ramez kind of me means, the best way I can talk about it is like reference. So if you make a, a Ramez, means like making a reference. And there are different kinds of Ramezes. So one of the ways that you do to study the Bible is begin to think about what, what references is Jesus making from the Bible. We'd be good at this with movies, maybe, because our culture is sort of infused with a little bit more entertainment, uh, if that makes sense. So... I don't know, it would be easy for me to say a bunch of guy movies, but there might be phrases of a movie that if I could say these phrases, you would all say, oh, yeah, you know, you'd know what I was talking about, right? One way or the other. You're probably thinking of five right now. Uh, guys seem to do this more than others, and most of them are inappropriate. Um, so, um, different day. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, you make a reference, and it has a, a larger meaning. Well, Jesus does this a lot. He makes these remezes. Now, one of the first ones, of the best ones that I love is a, a remez. Um, tool that's called first use, all right? So say first use. Good. Now, what, what that means is that the first time, and, and one of the things here, I've got a Bible. Um, if you look at it this way, thank you so much, because the cedar, I'm still fighting. Um, okay, you see this right here, the thin part on the top? All right, that is the Torah. The Torah is the first five books, Pentateuchi, the way you say it. The way that I teach my kids the Bible, that I think Jesus would have thought about the Bible, is to say this. You see these first five books? See these stories in these first five? Okay. When you build a house, you start with a foundation. 
And that foundation then is the structure upon which you build your whole house, right? I'm like, yeah. So we'll stand on the foundation and we like to stomp in our house. So we stomp, right? And say, these five books right here are the foundation of this whole house. And if you can begin thinking that way, then you can begin to think about the Bible as Jesus would have thought about the Bible. Most quoted book, Jesus, Deuteronomy. Right, good. Um, and so one of the things that um, happens then is a first use means that the first time, this is a concept that is just normal, normative, that we don't learn. It's seminary, I've been there, trust me. Um, we don't learn about these things. And in this culture, the first time, the very first time a word is used in the Torah, it becomes, however it is used, becomes the primary definition. So in other words, if you're looking up uh, a, a word in the dictionary, the first definition, the most often used and understood definition of that word would be this first use idea. Okay, so let's do an example that would be fun. What, um, what do you think is a, a, first, a word that would be really important to know what the primary and first meaning is in the Bible? Can you think of a word that would be cool to know what the primary meaning is in the Bible? Covenant, that would be a great one. Good. Grace, peace, salvation, awesome. Blessed, that would be really good too. How about love? What would be the first use, the primary definition of love in the Bible? Can anybody think... Think about the Torah, the first five books. I know we don't usually do it this way, and it's kind of different. Um, but can anybody think of the very first time that the word love is used in the Bible so that we might know what the primary definition of love is from this cultural Hebraic context? Can anybody think of that? Uh, in the commandments, uh, no, but good, very good, but not the first. I thought Adam and Eve too. I blurted it out, in fact, and Ray Vanderland looked at me like I was ridiculous. I will not look at you like you're ridiculous because I am right there with you. I am right there with you. I'm like, it was a love story. And he's like, it was a story of covenant. You know, I'm like, all right, all right, fine. But, you know, whatever. Um, but still, anybody? Hmm? Not creation, no. Good guess. Yes. Who said that? Abraham and Isaac. So, the de so, so when, you, when does he use it? Here's the definition. The first time it's used is when God says, which child are you going to sacrifice? Right? He says, the one you love. First use in the whole Bible. So watch this. This blows my mind. So then you're like, okay, well, what's the definition? The primary definition of love in the Bible, if we look at it that way? It's the primary definition of love in the Bible right here is the love of a father that's willing to sacrifice his son. Now, that's mind-blowing. What God does is he lays out and into the DNA and the foundation of this house what he's willing to do for you, what he's willing to do for the world, what the very definition of love is. The first use. And that's beautiful to me. Intense and real. And, it, and, a, and it, what does it do? It adds so much to this picture that says, we have this feeling that the New Testament, like if you get me close to your Bible and you have a page in it that is blank, except it says these two words, New Testament, I will tear it from your Bible. It freaks kids out, but it makes a good point. Why do you do that? Because the idea that these two testaments in some way are divided actually just frustrates me. They are, the New Testament is built on the Older Testament. What was Jesus' scripture? The Older Testament. There was no New Testament. How is it that we have in any way discounted that, right? So here's another one. So Jesus is on the cross, right? And, the, and these were just two that made me start really studying. And I know a bunch of them now, and they're super fun. Um, but here's another one. So Jesus is on the cross. What does he say on the cross? Can you think of any, any of the phrases that he says? He says a couple, right? Hmm? Forgive them, for they know what they have, right? Absolutely, beautiful. What, say again? Yeah, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is finished, good. You'll be with me, awesome, yeah? 
That will be done. Yep, all good. Hmm? Forgive them. Yes, yes, absolutely. So just let's just pick one out, okay? Who said, my, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What, when you think about that, what do you think that kind of means? What, why does he say that? What is he saying right there? Just in your imagination. There's not a right or wrong answer. I'm just curious. It's called midrash if you're kind of seeking God and understanding what it means. But what, what comes to your mind when we say that? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, where are you? Why have you deserted me? I'm alone here. I'm separated from you, right? Good. So I've, I've preached a lot of messages around the um, Resurrection Sunday time. Um, and one of them regularly comes up, like the separation that Jesus feels because of our sin. And this is the scripture from which you come, right? Okay. Um, if you have a Bible, yeah, good. Uh, this is fun. What I'm going to say to you is that Jesus is doing a remez when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's teaching something mind-blowing. Everybody look up Psalm 22. Yes. How do you find first use is a great question. Um, There are a lot of them that are written down, and so other people that have spent time with it. In fact, if you go into sort of the archival stuff of the rabbis, they'll have spent a lot of time on that. Also, there are different computer programs that can help you do all of that study because they get down to the, the core languages. And so they use um, Septuagint, um, and they do the um, translations back and forth because they've translated both the Greek and the Hebrew as the same word. So they're able to do some consistent patterning with that. But it's, it's also um, phrasing, context, and a lot of other things that come with that. But it's the first time it's used in the Bible, in the Hebrew. Okay, so you've probably looked up Psalm 22 by now. It's long. I don't care. I'm going to read it anyway. Um, <clears throat> but cause, because I think it's important, and if you'd like to follow along, that would be great. If not, just however you can pay best attention, I'm going to read it. So Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right out of Jesus' mouth. But watch this. Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, and not human scorned by others and despised by the people. Imagine him on the cross here. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one whom he delights. Yet it was you who took me from the womb. You kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls encircle me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs are all around me. A company of evildoers encircle me. My hands and feet have been pierced. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among themselves. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far away. Help me. Come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. For the horns of the wild oxen, you have rescued me. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him. All of you offspring of Israel, for he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. 
or uh, from you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For domain belongs, dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust. And I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. Now, to see the phrase, and it's translated in different ways, the phrase that struck me outside of the one that very clearly, well, which one struck you? Let me ask you that. It's amazing, right, to read that. And imagine the cross. Any phrases stick out for you? How about they have pierced my hands and feet. And his bones are out of joint. But I want you to think about who wrote this? Who wrote the song? David. Who's David? Yeah, the shepherd. But also, who does Jesus descend from? David. Whose king, whose throne does Jesus sit on right now? David. How many years between when that was, this was written and Jesus says this on the cross when it's actually happening to him? This is mind-blowing stuff. And what we have to do is begin to approach it from the context and the place that Jesus would have so that we can understand what he's saying. He's on the cross blowing people's minds and then praying for us in the finish of this psalm. People yet unborn, that's you and me. Now those things shake me and standing in those places, I'm gonna tell you what happens. It happened to my son, it happened to my kids, it happened to my wife, me, people who have gone. You come back and you walk differently in your faith. You can't help it. Because this is going to sound strange, and you'll know now that my nickname is Captain Obvious. It's absolutely true. <laughs> the truth is true. And really letting that sink into us changes are every day and these little incremental changes become exponential transformation there's a bunch of that if you want more I'll tell you whatever you want we can stay as long as you want but I want to stop and say because I'm trying to be cautious of our 1030 if there's any questions or things so I could get to some stuff that you guys might be interested in I will tell you uh, a little bit of details about the trip, but I'll, I might do that just to finish. But I want to ask if you have any questions uh, right now about Israel, Scripture, me, why our family went, any of that stuff. <coughs> I'll make up questions. You know, it doesn't matter. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no. The trip is two weeks long. Actually, we added a day this year. So it's 15 days. Uh, we edited today because I couldn't get it all in. And there's two more places that I want to study. And I think actually I've got uh, one of the world's most studied scholars of a particular place is going to meet us there. And I have another connection uh, that might actually meet us at a brand new dig that uh, this will be the first time we hit. It was just being uncovered when we were there the last time. And then when we lived there, uh, we raided the, my son and I raided the dig. Raided means we had a, we had some shekels. <clears throat> so. mm -hmm. Yes, what, what I would say, uh, um, 
What I would say is if you're just beginning this kind of conversation, which is really fun, Ray will tell you he's not an author. He has written Echoes of His Presence. He's an incredible storyteller. In my opinion, one of the greatest teachers of all time. I mean, it's just the way he's able to draw you into a time and a place and then lay these things out is incredible, which is why, you know, the way that I did it was I studied with him for almost 10 years to even be able to lead these trips. So that's kind of my thing. But if you're just beginning, and one of the ones that I really like is Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus by Lois Tverberg. And Anne Spangler? Is it Anne? Okay, thank you. Um, we also have Miss Gail uh, with us today right over here. And this lady right here is a scholar well beyond me and is connected to people in the nation and internationally that are scholars well beyond our combined thought process. True? Yeah. That can that are beginning to take just as just you know there is a community, interconnected community of scholars that are Christians that are approaching all of this from uh, in, in a Jewish process with the faith of Christ and re-exploring and re-shaping uh, and our understandings of the Bible in some just shocking, beautiful, fun ways um, over these last decade. One of the things to think about that is. This is also where we talked about that in our lifetimes, like the whole world will hear the gospel. Here's another one. Do you realize how much of this rediscovery of Israel is happening in your lifetime and mine? That this Christian rediscovery of our rootedness scripturally and the promises of God and the covenant expressions into our lives, that's happening in your lifetime. Right now, these discoveries are happening. They just found Magdala, whom where Mary Magdalene's from, okay? And you think about things like that, and you're like, well, big deal. Well, yeah, big deal, because there's a synagogue there. Well, okay, there's a synagogue there. My son went into the synagogue, and he did this on the floor of the synagogue. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he said, it says in the Bible that Jesus taught in every synagogue in the Galilee, and I just want to make sure I know that I know that I was in his footsteps. Cool, right? 12 years old. It's fun. But that's just right now. That stuff's happening. So here's my question for you. In your lifetime, this is happening. You're, we're in the middle of history. Sometimes we look at it and we're like, this is ancient. It feels ancient. It feels distant. These things are coming up out of the ground right now. And, and the opportunity to go and explore and be a part of that and share that is really, to me, Huge. So it's fun. So Anne Spangler, Lois Tverberg, sitting at the feet of Rabbi Jesus. If you want to understand how to think about the digging and the archaeology stuff, uh, there's some great ones. One of the classics is called The Source by James Mishner. That's a helpful invitation. Other books you've got? Yeah. Yeah. Avoid his mentor. <laughs> Uh, Brad Young, a great scholar, fascinating guy. N.T. Wright includes some of these things uh, as well. But Brad Young is probably the most focused writer right now. David Biven also writes quite beautifully uh, about a lot of this stuff if you're looking for that. But what I like about the sitting at the feet of Rabbi Jesus, especially if you're just getting into it, is she has a whole chapter on what she calls stringing pearls, which talks about how these scriptures weave together uh, and why. Uh, that culminate into something much bigger than you expect in the teaching. Some people think the trip is very, very physical. <laughs> what did I tell Michael? Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, I, I did. I said, he's trying to kill us. And Michael Brown kept going, he's crazy. He's crazy. And I'm like, I know, Mike. Keep going. Um, now, I will say that the trip is physically intensive, um, but it's, it's 10 or 15 miles at the most a day of hiking. Not every day, but there are days. Um, all right? And you do... Huh?
Yeah. Yeah, good. Saying right, Nora. And that's, that's absolutely true. I appreciate you saying that, Nora. And it's true. If, if you can get it in shape, and right now, I mean, a lot of moms, it's kind of something that we're, we're all, I'm going to use myself as a mom all of a sudden, um, we're doing, right? It's a, like finding a way to exercise, finding a way to get ourselves into shape. We're doing that too. I mean, he's, maybe he's 30 and 40-year-olds, in my case. Um, I'll stretch and say 40, uh, 30, I mean. Um, so, um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, and... If you prepare, the other thing is you want to be physically ready so that by the time you make the transition over with a little bit of jet lag, that you want to take in what you're taking in, right? So to be honest, most of the time we say, prepare this way, and we're really hardcore, so that you can be well within your limit when you get there, and you can command it pretty easily. So, yeah, we've uh, the 82-year-old that we got up the mountains, uh, she was awesome. She trained totally in a pool. Um, now, we carried her up to hikes uh full on she's a tiny little thing she's like this big like come on we're going you know um but and she talked to you the whole time oh honey you you know um but we didn't really care like this but um no she was great but yeah it it, it's an amazing thing to see yes ma'am you have to carry a family bible that's appropriately this big and about this thick so that it's no uh what's in what's in your package you carry water and you'll carry a little notebook and a, and a small Bible. Hmm? No, it's uh, the bottles that are about this big. Or lately, it's even better. We've got packs, water packs that are camel packs that work great. And they have room for all that stuff. I like the camel packs a lot better. I don't like the thing around my waist. I like the thing, you know, more like a backpack. And so that's what we've shifted to. Yeah, if you can climb 10 flights of stairs, in fact, it's really good to do stairs if you do trail it, but she's saying that she could probably be even within that. It's not that that would be the, the high end. Um, you know, I, I have to do a whole lot more because by the time we get to the top, I've got to now teach everything. But, um, so, but when I was training out to do, it's hard for me too because I was always training kind of in a discipleship mindset. So I was trying to figure out how can I get to a place where when I get to the top, I'm engaged with questions and other scriptural ideas and all this other kind of stuff. So it's the first couple of times that I traveled and I did sort of a more moderate uh, deal when my exercise was more about the experience. Um, yeah, it was very, very doable. Usually about 4500 bucks. Now, I will say that $4,500 is all-inclusive. Like most of the time you'll see a, a price of a trip and there'll be less than that. 4500 includes every single thing, including your tips. Now, the reason that that is is twofold. One is that this was designed for um, high school kids that are graduating from senior as seniors before they go to college. In fact, I have right now one of the great, in following Ray as a rabbi of mine, I teach a senior class Bible study or Bible class at Bracken Christian School every morning at 8. By the way, they're praying for you today because uh, they meet at nine today. So they were praying for you while you were worshiping. That's kind of tender for me. While y'all were spread out worshiping all these moms who pray probably for all these kids this morning while you're here, they were praying for you. Um, you know, but I've got probably five to seven kids right now that are trying to raise 4,500 bucks and most of them are either students or strapped. So by the way, if anybody wants to help them, you're welcome to. Um, but 
you'll be surprised how that comes together. And the reason that it was planned for them is so that you could take a senior in high school and they wouldn't have to um, deal with checking into a hotel, tipping somebody when they maybe never have done that before, especially in a foreign country. It was made so that it was totally taken care of before you left. Um, what that also does is it keeps us in community and it keeps us in story. So that when we arrive at a hotel, you know, myself or, or uh, Casey, in this, in this case, I, I can't tell you how I'm excited to do this with, with Casey. It's just kind of mind-blowing. I've known, we know each other for so long. Um, but to be able to do, oh, by the way, also for me to do a trip, I prayed about this when Casey invited me to do it. And to do a trip of primary, of only women is an incredible honor for me. And I have zero concerns either for security or for your ability I actually have more concern for my ability to hang with you uh, than I do of you to be able to do this. Because I got that question from an unnamed man. Well, do you think that you're going to be okay with all those women? I said, well, how do you mean? Like, well, what if like this? And I'm like, well, you don't know the women I'm hanging out with at all. I don't understand. Like, you know, and, and like it was, it was for me an, an, a, an honor, a privilege, a strengthening thing. And, of course, if you know much about Israeli women, uh, you'll know that that's not really an issue they are. There's something. My wife turned into one while we lived there. A lot of yelling. Not at me, thankfully. Uh, but she's really funny. She came back from the market one day, and she goes, she was all, like, in a good mood. And I said, oh, was, you know, was it fun to go to the market? She goes, yeah. I think I yelled at, like, three people. It was fantastic. You know, she's like, I think, I think we should be able to go to HEB and just let it all out. I mean, you come home, and you're in such a good mood. Like, I can't believe these prices for tomatoes. You know, like, whew, I feel better. You know, like, like the release valve was really... Uh, but, you know, it's very strong. So um, that's really good. Yeah, so the, the trip is two weeks. It's 15 days. It's $4,500. It's all-inclusive. This is a trip for women. We're talking about April of 2015. That'll be the time, really, when the floral and the flowers and things are coming out. I've never been in the spring, and it's the time that I've heard where it's just beautiful, like really radiant. I, have you been in the spring like that? So it is. Is it April? So it's right after the rains is when we'll be there, and as everything's settling down. So my imagination is it's going to be really crazy pretty. Um, if we get really lucky, we'll get Gail to go too. Hmm? Yeah, only women this time. That's our that's our focus. Casey is the one that's kind of putting this together. Yes, ma'am. Hmm. Well, primarily, we fly together because everything gets taken care of by a group called GTI, Global Tours International, which comes out of Michigan. People ask us every once in a while, "Wow, we haven't moved that down to uh, San Antonio," but we do that because, especially right now, Michigan doesn't have anywhere near the economy that. Texas does, and so we keep our business there uh, intentionally. But we fly together, unless you're like in New York and going to meet us, and that happens sometimes too. Uh, in April, it's not anywhere near as hot. Probably uh, it'll, it'll fluctuate a little bit, but a lot of, if you watch Jerusalem and San Antonio, very often they're really very similar. So the climates are not really that different. So as a San Antonio person, when you think about Jerusalem, it's going to be pretty similar. You guys are going to be acclimatized to the heat. You're going to be able to make adjustments if it's a cooler day. If we get really, really lucky, and I'm really worried about it because it's going to be in April, it'll be 115 degrees in the desert. And you, I like it really, 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 really hot because you will never hear the word desert when you're reading or studying the Bible again and not go, oh, uh, which is good. Um, but unfortunately, it'll probably be nice and comfortable. Yes, ma'am? Oh, what's my wife's favorite stop on the trip? Um, Kathy has a whole day of the tour, and it's the day that is, um, I can't tell you. I can't, I'm sorry. I can tell you that it is, I can tell you that, it, that my wife, um, who was, had been a mom for the third time, in between our third and fourth child, the first time we went, that I was at the top of a mountain with Vanderland that I didn't know if she would climb because everybody was given an opportunity to either stay back or go all the way to the top. Um, and so I, we had a deal, because I'm, I'm discipling, I was going to go every single time, and I was going to be right behind Ray. And if she wanted to come up and be there with me, that was great, but if she didn't, that was fine too. So I hit the top of this mountain, and I'm watching back, and I'm watching back, and I'm watching back. And I, I don't want to want her to come up to the top. You know, I don't want to be that guy. I want to actually fulfill my promise and be okay with it if she doesn't, but I really do want her to come to the top. <laughs> so I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching, and here come, because we had split up, because by the way, nobody's asked about the restroom. Um, but you're on the top, um, 
because we hike all day. So it's like women to the left, men to the right, and it's fine. What's going to be really fun, that, funny this time is going to be everybody over there, and I'll go over there, <laughs> but um, um, we'll be fine. Uh, but the, um, when we get to the, get to the top, I'm waiting. And here comes the first ladies that are coming up. Nope, it's not her. Nope, it's not her. And they're coming over a ridge. And I, I heart just leapt. I see this little white hat with a little orange longhorn, which always makes my heart leap, by the way, a little bit. Um, but this time, especially because it's on my bride, uh, and she's coming up this hill, and she is crying. And she is covered in dirt. And she is struggling. And she is just pounding best she can. And so, like, naturally, I go, you know, I'm going to go help her, go to her, you know, is the thing that comes out of my head. And it's one of the times I can remember actually getting a, sh- a sharp correction from the Lord. And it was, stop. And I stopped dead. I remember I was, like, frozen. Uh, and it was like, this is not your walk. To this day, I'm not exactly sure what happened to her in that. But it's what makes it her favorite day. I also like to tell this part of the story, and I know we're way over time, but we get to the top. There's a teaching at the top that's important. Part of the teaching's going along, and one of the things that happens on this trip is that you'll memorize scriptures, and that you'll be responsible best you can for those scriptures when they come, and you'll blurt them out. Some people have them on their, you know, but (laughs) it's one of those things. Well, Kathy is covered in dirt. She's sweated through. She's got tears, marks, and the dirt on her cheeks. Her hat's kind of sideways. Her hair is all out of control. She's worn the same shirt three days in a row. I mean, all this other kind of stuff, right? Ray's teaching, and she pops out with a scripture, like out of this kind of fierce place. And I'm staring at her, and I'm thinking, she's the hottest thing I have ever seen in my life. And I am not kidding. All I can think of is, you are so good looking. And so I go around, like, I go around, and she, I, I whisper in her ear, you are so good looking. And she just looks down, and she goes, you have a disease. Like, that was her response to me, which I thought was really funny. Um, I like to tell that story to teenage girls um, to, like, talk about what beauty is. But um, that was a big deal. Other questions? Nobody's even asked about security today, politics, anything like that, that's fine. Uh, we don't know the exact dates. What we're trying to figure out is we're trying to manage kind of the, uh, what the social calendars of everybody will be and where a decent hole will be right there in April. So that's what we're working at. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I have not gone barefoot there. That's one thing I do is I wear very nice shoes. It's the place that I do that. Uh, I, have, I have taught barefoot in Israel, but not on a hike. Anything else? Yes, ma'am. 40. Yeah. In fact, 20 to 30 is ideal. If we push to 40, it'll be great. Um, you know, but we'll have to work that out. Like, like this year's trip, uh, it's going in July, uh, I mean June, middle of June to uh, first of June. We have two trips coming. Um, and I've got about 15 on it right now. That's without my kids. I got to take two of my kids last year, and it about blew my mind because uh, I got to take the football hero and the uh, art weirdo. Uh, those are the two of the, of, the, of the class. She is. Have you seen that? Hannah is a weirdo. She says it herself. And, but you know what I'm talking about in the high school deals. She actually, by the way, have you seen her art lately? You need to see Hannah's art. It's gotten, like, I don't even understand. It's so good. Like, anyway. Beloved, so I'm, she's on my left, uh, Eli's on my right, and um, they're like brother and sister at the end of the trip, and it's like scripture and all this other kind of stuff. They go off to school now. They check in with me, and they talk to me about, just like Casey said, about how it totally has reshaped them uh, going into college, which means, by the way, that I did my job because I was enough like Ray Vanderland that they caught the inheritance that was given to me, which is kind of a goal. So I was pretty pleased. I get to see them every once in a while. And they're ridiculously fun people. Over Christmas, Hannah um, was, was discipling my daughter. Try that on. So it's cool. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, safety, security. Uh, one of the things that uh, there is, of course, everything in the news about how unsafe it is. But what I'll tell you this is you can do about any year, and you can, I encourage you to do it. Go and look at Israel and look at deaths, murder, uh, manslaughter, 
military deaths, bombs, anything you want to look at, all those things, and compile them into one number, right? And what you'll find is there are fewer deaths in Israel than there are in Detroit or Denver. Mm -hmm. And here's why. And it's a little bit upsetting. Every single person that dies in Israel is newsworthy. Sadly, not every kid that gets killed in a gang drive-by in Denver, Detroit, or some of these other large cities in our country are newsworthy. It's just some kid. So the weird thing is it says more about kind of what we pay attention to. Um, when we lived there, uh, the other thing I'll tell you is that, you know, I, I'd been there for almost 10 years and then took my family to live there. There are security deals that you're dealing with, but they're no different than you do here. It's just a different set of topics. So you don't go in certain places. You don't do certain things, stuff like that. We've, I've never felt anything but secure there. Uh, Casey's in charge of the sign-up, and we'll take names today, and we'll build to 40. The way, I mean, and the way that we'll probably do that is we'll take an interest deal, start sending out emails, and then when it comes time to sign up, the first 40 that get their deposit, it'll get to go. And what I'll do, because it's Casey and you guys, is that this is the group that this is coring out of. So we'll prioritize, uh, the, the, we'll prioritize WAG here. If you guys get to 40, it'll be your group. If we get to a certain place and you have 30 or so like that, we might open it up to Riverside or some, some other folks that might want to go nationally one way or the other. But there might be women that want to go with a women's group. I don't think it's ever been done, by the way. 